Good morning, church. Thank you so very much for being part of our online worship assembly this morning. I miss you and I love you and I appreciate you so much uh, for continuing to be part of our online service. I know that we are all uh, longing to be back together and until then we are continuing to strive to be the people that Jesus has called us to be. In fact, our theme this whole year has been taking the next step by faith taking the next step by faith. And we've been encouraging each other to figure out personally and congregationally, both on an individual level and on a congregational level, what is our next step? What's the next thing that we can do to be the people that Jesus has called us to be? This summer, we began with a series that was focused on our homes and our families. We talked about our prayer that God's will be done both on earth as it is in heaven and in our home as it is in heaven. And we encouraged each other to think about what's the next step that we can take as families to be little embassies of God's kingdom in our neighborhood. And then last month, we just finished a a series talking about spiritual disciplines, thinking through what are some of the spiritual practices, the spiritual exercises, the spiritual disciplines that we can implement in our life to sort of take our spiritual lives to the next level, to take our discipleship to the next level, to take our covenant relationship with our Father and with Jesus to the next level? What are some of those disciplines we can make sure that we're doing in our lives to take the next step by faith? But this month, I kind of want to pause, and instead of encouraging us to take a next step, I want us to think about where we are currently. Where are you currently? Where are we currently, both individually and congregationally. Sometimes we need to stop focusing on progress and and start examining and evaluating and reflecting on what's our current position. How, How are we doing? How are you doing? How is your family doing? How are we doing as a congregation? Where are we right now? And if you'll pardon me ending this sentence with a preposition. I hate to end a sentence with a preposition, but sometimes we know where we're going. We just don't know where we're at. Sometimes we know what our destination is. We know what we want to accomplish. We know where we want to go, but we just don't really have a good understanding on where we are currently. A few years ago, Holly and I went to New York City for the first time, and we we, we We were staying uh, in Manhattan and we wanted to go to Staten Island. So we were going to take the Staten Island ferry across to Staten Island so that we could float by or or go by the the Statue of Liberty. And so we, we wanted to make our way to the southern tip of Manhattan towards Battery Park and get on the Staten Island ferry and make our way across. And so we knew what our destination was. Our destination was Battery Park. We knew the, where, where we needed to get on the subway. And so we, we got on a subway, we went to the subway station, we got on a subway train, and we were excited about going to Battery Park so we could get on the ferry. But as I looked at the GPS on my phone, I, I saw where we were supposed to be going, and then I saw the little marker on where we were at, our current 
our current location, and our current location was headed in the wrong direction from where we wanted to end up. It turns out when we had gone to the subway station, that there was a subway station on one side of the street that goes uptown, that goes north, and then there's a subway station on the other side of the street that goes downtown and goes south. We should have been on the one that was going towards downtown, going south, but we were on the one going north. We knew, we knew what our destination was. We were just wrong about our starting point. We started in the wrong place. We, we were unclear about where our current location was. And sometimes that's true for us spiritually and morally. We know where we're supposed to be headed. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We know where we're supposed to be going. We know what our destination is, but we just aren't clear about where we are currently. So so before we take a next step, before we focus on progress, we need to spend some time doing some self-evaluation and figuring out where am I currently? Where is our family currently? Maybe take a look at your family, whether you're a family of one or a family of lots of people, and just ask yourselves, where are we right now? How are we doing? How are we doing spiritually? How are we doing in our walk with Jesus? How are we doing at being the people that Jesus is calling us to be? But it's hard. Self-evaluation is is difficult. Self-examination is difficult because it requires self-awareness. It's like the guy who said, "Uh, my friends are always telling me that I have no self-awareness but that's ridiculous. If I had no self-awareness, I think I would know. (laughs) But that's the whole thing. You wouldn't know. People with no self-awareness have no idea that they have no self-awareness because they have no self-awareness. So many times we are lacking this trait, this ability to look at ourselves and say, where am I right now? How am I doing right now? What's going on in my spiritual life right now? What's going on in my mind and my heart right now? What's going on with my behavior right now? Because sometimes we can fool ourselves into thinking that we are already where we think and know we are supposed to be. We know what our destination is. And and just like the little train story, We knew where we were supposed to be going. And had we not had a GPS that told us our current location, we would have fooled ourselves into thinking that we were headed in the right direction, when in reality we were headed in the wrong direction, not because we didn't know our destination, but because we didn't know our current location. And that's sometimes the problem with us spiritually. It isn't that we don't know what the destination is. It isn't that we don't know what we're supposed to be doing, how we're supposed to be thinking, how we're supposed to be talking. It isn't that we don't know those things. It's that we don't have an accurate picture of our current location, of our current status. And so as we wrap up the Sermon on the Mount, we've gone through Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6. And now as we enter into Matthew chapter 7 and Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, he really helps us to do some self-examination, some self-evaluation, but it's challenging because it requires self-awareness. And it's really gonna, it's going to require us doing what we talked about last week 
in being disciplined to do some meditation, to meditate, not just on what does Jesus want for me? What does Jesus want from me? How does Jesus want me to live my life? Not just those questions, but the question of where am I right now? Because before we can take a next step, before we can get where we're going, we need to know where we are currently. You can't get where you want to go unless you know from whence you are beginning. So let's start in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Jesus says this, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, you've probably heard, especially Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, many times, judge not that you be not judged. In fact, some say that this is the most quoted verse in the Bible now. It used to be John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But now the verse that most people know, regardless of their religious background, regardless of their beliefs, regardless sometimes whether or not they claim to be followers of Jesus, they know this verse, and chances are you've heard this verse, and chances are you know this verse, judge not that you be not judged. Now we have, we have two ways that we typically apply this verse. Two ways that this verse is typically applied. One, it's applied defensively, right? You've heard this way of using the verse, right? Judge not that you be not judged. It's used defensively to say, ha, see, you can't judge me. Jesus said, don't judge me, right? Don't judge me. So it's used defensively to tell someone else, you aren't supposed to judge me. So I defend myself against judgment. I defend myself against criticism by telling you, you're not supposed to judge me. But but when we use this verse or apply this verse defensively, we're not applying it personally, are we? We're not applying it to ourselves. The other way that I've heard this verse applied is applied, you might say, dismissively. So some apply it defensively to say, see, you can't judge me. And other people apply it dismissively. In other words, they say, well, yeah, but Jesus didn't really mean that. Jesus didn't really mean don't judge, or really that doesn't apply all the time. And, you know, there are times you're supposed to judge. So let's talk about the times you're supposed to judge, and let's not talk about when you're not supposed to judge. Wait, stop. Yes, there are times. There are times where we correct somebody. There are times where we make judgment. But let's not dismiss what Jesus is saying here. Let's not read this, this verse defensively, where I just apply it to you and tell you not to judge, and let's not read this verse dismissively and say, well, but Jesus didn't really mean that, or, or there are lots of times you're supposed to judge. Let's read this verse and apply it personally. And, and let's ask ourselves, how are you doing with this? Is this verse applicable to me? Is this verse applicable to you? Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Where am I on this? Currently, presently. What's my current position on being critical and judgmental and harsh? 
Am I a judgmental person? Am I critical? Am I harsh? Do I make unfair assumptions and judgments about people? That's really what Jesus is getting at, isn't it? With the standard that you measure, it will be measured to you. You're going to be measured by the same measurement that you put on others. Would I really? Here's a question for us to answer, for us to ask ourselves. Would I be okay? Would I really want God holding me to the same standards that I hold others to? When's the last time you criticized somebody? Can you remember? Maybe it wasn't very long ago. Maybe you did it on Facebook. Maybe you did it on Twitter. Maybe you did it to somebody in person. Maybe you did it behind somebody's back. When's the last time you criticized someone? When's the last time you judged somebody? When's the last time you said something harsh and judgmental about somebody? That, mm, that person and that they're always doing that and that's that kind of person and these kind of people and I don't like these kind of people and those kind of people, they're evil and they're just trying to do this and they're just trying to do that. When's the last time you were judgmental and harsh and critical? And then stop and ask yourself, would I want to be held to the same standard that I'm holding that person or those people to? Because that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is admonishing the people of his day, the Pharisees and his disciples and telling them, don't judge by the wrong sorts of standards. Don't hold people to a standard that you yourself wouldn't want to be held to, right? And how often do we do that? How often do we have a double standard? How often do we judge ourselves with grace and mercy and judge other people by the letter of the law? Well, you're wrong because you did this and you're wrong because you did that and you're bad because you did this or because you did that. And we criticize and we judge and we're harsh with others and we're lenient and gracious with ourselves. Again, our tendency is to read Jesus' words, judge not that you be not judged, and say, see, you can't judge me, wait. You're applying that to someone else. Or to read Jesus' words, judge not that you be not judged, and read it dismissively, and say, well, Jesus didn't really mean don't judge. You're, you're not applying it to yourself either. Jesus really did mean stop being so judgmental, Stop being so harsh. Stop being so critical. Stop having double standards. Stop holding people to a standard that you, to which you wouldn't want to be held. Don't hold people to a standard to which you wouldn't want to be held. Yes, there's right and there's wrong. Yes, there's a time to tell people that they're wrong. Yes, Jesus himself offered judgment and offered criticism. But we need a reminder that it's not always the time to be judgmental. And we're not always the person to be doing the judgment. Look at verse 3. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Even before the criticism or the judgment, even before you... you try to get the speck out of somebody's eye, there's a problem. He says, it's in what you see. That he says, you see the speck, you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not, what? You do not notice the log that's in your own eye. 
Are we aware of our own shortcomings? Are we aware of our own imperfections? I mean, Jesus' metaphor here is is kind of humorous, isn't it? It's the idea of somebody has a, a piece of sawdust or a little splinter in their eye, and the person that has this huge log, or the word there really means like a beam, like, a, like these beams up in the, the ceiling of the auditorium here, a big beam just sticking out of his eye. And this person with this huge beam sticking out of his eye is going about trying to pick the speck out of somebody else's eye. And it, it's not just the matter of the fact that he's trying to pick a speck out of somebody else's eye, because there's a time to do that. There's a time where you need to say, hey, you got something in your eye and you need help with it. The problem is that the person with the beam, with the log sticking out of his eye, doesn't even notice the log that's sticking out of his eye. Do we know? Are we aware of our own shortcomings? Sometimes we see our shortcomings and we say, yeah, I know that about myself. I know that I have a short temper or I know that I do this or I know that I do this. Sometimes we see our shortcomings and we just don't care. And we say, well, that's just just how I am. That's just my personality. And we just don't seem to care about the fact that we have these shortcomings. And other times we, we know our shortcomings and we are aware of our shortcomings. We just don't know how to fix it. We just don't know how to change it. And we say, yeah, I hate the fact that I'm I'm doing this or I struggle with this or I have this problem. But but the real problem here isn't just the shortcomings that we we notice, it's the shortcomings that we don't notice. The shortcomings that we don't notice, the blind spots that we have. And he's encouraging his disciples, before you go trying to help somebody with a speck in their eye, You need to pay attention to the fact that sometimes you have a log in your eye that you haven't even noticed. You're completely oblivious to the fact that you have this huge glaring problem going on in your life. It isn't the shortcomings that I'm aware of that concern me. It's the shortcomings about which I'm unaware that give me pause. What am I not noticing about myself? What do I not see? Where am I wrong or where am I falling short and I I haven't even realized it yet? Are there things in my life that need to be fixed and I'm I'm completely oblivious to those things? Look at verse 4. He says, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your eye? When, When there is the log in your eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So if this log in our eye is this shortcoming or this failing or this sin, not just that I I have in my life, but one that's in my eye. It's in my eye, so it's creating a blind spot so that I I don't see the situation clearly. And I don't see my brother clearly. And I don't see the issues clearly. And I don't even see myself clearly. And I'm unaware even of the log's existence. How do I know then? How do I know when this applies to me? How do you know when this applies to you? How do we know when we have a log in our eye? I've been thinking about that question all week long. How can we know 
that we have a problem about which we're unaware? How can we know we have a problem about which we are oblivious, that we don't know is there? I think the answer is that you have to assume that you do. You, you always have to assume that there might be something obscuring your perspective. You, you always have to assume that there is the possibility that you have something in your eye that's obscuring your judgment, that, that's obscuring your judgment about the situation, that's obscuring your judgment about your neighbor, that's obscuring your judgment about yourself. You always have to assume that there very well might be something wrong in you. The only way to really avoid being the guy with the log in your eye is to assume that you are the guy with the log in your eye. The only way to avoid having a log in your eye is to always assume, I probably have a log in my eye. The Pharisees entered every discussion with the attitude of, you're wrong and I'm right, right? If there was a difference of opinion, if there was a difference of judgment, the Pharisees entered into that conversation with the attitude of, you're wrong and I'm right. That's how almost every human being enters into a disagreement. You're wrong and I'm right. If I thought that you were right and I was wrong, I would change and I would be like you, but I, I'm not, I, I'm like me. And so I think that I'm right and you're wrong. But Jesus encourages his disciples to go about the business of self-evaluation, go about the business of self-examination, to have self-awareness, to enter into a conversation where we're not just entering into it saying, you're wrong and I'm right, but we enter into the conversation saying, I might very well be wrong. I might very well not be seeing the situation clearly. I, I might very well have a log in my eye. What if we entered into conversations where we asked each other for help? There might be a time where I need to help you with a speck that's in your eye. But if, I, but if I go into the conversation in a judgmental, harsh, and critical way where I'm saying you're wrong and I'm right, I very well might be the guy with a log in my eye. So wouldn't it be better if we entered into the conversation saying, you know what? I may not be seeing this clearly. I may not understand this the way I think that I do. I may, I may have something that's obscuring my vision. I may have something that's obscuring my judgment. I may have something that's, that's making it difficult for me to see you the way that I should, for me to see the situation the way that I should, for me to see myself the way that I should. I may have something wrong in me. But if we go into every disagreement, if we go into every conversation where we only see what's wrong in the other person and not what's wrong in ourselves, then we will be guilty of what Jesus is telling us not to do. And again, it's really easy to apply these words to someone else, right? You say, yeah, I, I know some judge, judgmental people like that. I know some critical people like that. I know some harsh people like that. I know some people that are always going around wagging their finger at other people. Jesus isn't talking about them. He's talking to you and to me. And he's encouraging us. Judge not that you be not judged. Be careful. 
Be careful when you're quick to point out where someone else is wrong, where you're, when you're quick to point out when someone else is mistaken, when you're quick to point out that someone has something in their eye, you very well might have something bigger in your own eye. So pay attention to where you might be wrong. Pay attention to where your judgment might be obscured. Pay attention to where you might not be seeing the situation as clearly as you think you do. Look at verse six. He says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. That takes some pondering, doesn't it? Because it almost sounds like, wait, a second, I thought we were talking about don't judge. I thought we were talking about being critical. I thought we were talking about the fact that when I'm going to help somebody with a speck in their eye, sometimes I have a log in my eye. Why all of a sudden does he start talking about dogs and pigs? I think he hasn't changed subjects. I think he's still talking about the exact same thing. I think sometimes the judgment that we want to give to someone might really help them with a speck in their eye. Sometimes the judgment that we want to give to someone might really be something holy. If someone tells you what you're doing is wrong, what you're doing is breaking your covenant with God, what you're doing is separating yourself from God, they're they're giving you a gift. They're giving you something holy. When we call people to repentance, we're giving them something holy. When when you give someone or when somebody gives you a criticism, a rebuke, an admonishment that is true and right, it is a pearl of wisdom. But if you give what is holy to dogs, they don't receive it as something holy. They don't appreciate it as something holy. When you give a pearl to a pig, he doesn't appreciate it as a pearl. He doesn't know what to do with it. In fact, he might turn and attack you. So sometimes you might very well have a true nugget of gold to share with someone. You might really be helping them with a speck that's in their eye. You might really have something holy to share with someone. You might really have a pearl of wisdom to share with someone, but they're not of the right character or of the right mindset, or it might not be the right time to share it with them. In fact, they might turn and attack you. Just because your judgment or the judgment that you want to give to someone is true and right, it might not be the right time. They might not be the right person. You might not be the right person to give that to them. So let's think about this statement for a little bit. Analyze before you criticize. Analyze before you criticize. There is a time and a place to criticize and correct others, right? There is an appropriate time to correct other people, to offer admonishment, to offer rebuke, to offer criticism, to say you shouldn't do things that way. There's a right time to do that, but it's not always the right time. It's not always the right place. You're not always the right person, and they're not always in the right mindset to receive it. 
And so before we criticize, before we offer judgment, before we offer admonishment and rebuke, there are at least three questions, according to what Jesus has just told us, that we need to ask ourselves before we criticize, before we judge, before we rebuke, before we admonish. And if we're so quick to admonish, if we're so quick to judge, if we're so quick to criticize that we don't stop and do some analyzing first, we will be guilty of what Jesus tells us not to do. So he says this, or we should ask this, we should analyze our judgment. Analyze your judgment. Would I want to be held to the same standard? Isn't that what Jesus says? Judge not that you be not judged, for with the same measure that you measure to others, it will be measured to you. Would I want to be held to the same standard? And we say, well, I'm holding them to the standard of right and wrong. Wait a second. We all think that, don't we? That's exactly what the Pharisees thought. They thought, well, I'm holding people to the standard of the law. I'm holding people to the standard of our customs. I'm holding people to the same standard that we've always held people to. But that's not typically how we measure, is it? We tend to measure ourselves graciously. We tend to take into consideration our own motives and we say, yeah, you know, I I mess up sometimes, but I always intend to do well. I have good intentions and I wanted to do well. And we measure ourselves incredibly graciously, don't we? But when other people do something wrong, it's just because they're a horrible person, just because they're bad. It's just because they're mean. It's just because they're evil. It's just because they do mean stuff. I don't understand them. They're just horrible people. Would you want to be measured by the same standard that you're measuring others. So before we offer criticism, before we offer judgment, before we tell people how wrong they are or how they need to change, we need to analyze our judgment and say, am I holding them to the right sort of standard? Is this the kind of standard to which I would want to be held? And that's not to say that there's never an appropriate time to correct someone. But it's not always the right time to correct somebody. And sometimes the criticism or the correction or the judgment that we want to offer to people is not fair. And that's exactly what the people of Jesus' day were guilty of. And that's the same thing of which you and I so many times are guilty. That we're holding people to unfair standards. We're having double standards with others. So we need to analyze our judgment. We also need to analyze ourself. Analyze yourself. Ask yourself, do I really have clarity about myself and about the situation? Or do I have a log in my eye? Do I really have clarity about myself and about this situation? It seems to me that this person needs correction. It seems to me that this person is wrong. It seems to me that this person needs to be set straight. Ask yourself, are you really the person to be doing that? And is this the right time for you to be doing that? Do you really have clarity 
about what's going on? Do you really have clarity about yourself? Because so often, if we're honest, we have a log sticking out of our eye and we can't see the situation or ourselves or our log clearly because there's a log in our eye and our vision is obscured and we're not seeing things clearly. So instead of asking or instead of going in and attacking, maybe we ought to be asking, how can we help each other? Here's how I see things, but maybe I have something in my eye for which you can help me. There might be a time where you should go and help somebody and correct somebody, but this might not be the time because you may not have clarity about yourself or about the situation because you have a log in your eye. So analyze your judgment, yourself, and then finally your neighbor. How will this person receive this criticism? Jesus invites us to say, sometimes people are being dogs. Sometimes people are being pigs. That's not to say you should call them dogs or pigs. But it just means sometimes you have something holy to offer them. Sometimes you have a pearl to offer them. But it's not going to be received as something holy. And it's not going to be received as a pearl. They're going to trample all over it. And then they're going to turn and they're going to trample all over you. But church, this is exactly what we tend to do, isn't it? We tend to throw criticism about all the time. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Wait. Stop. Number one, are you being fair? Analyze your judgment. Analyze the criticism that you are leveling. Analyze and say, is this, is this fair? Would I want to be held to the same standard to which I'm holding these other people? And, and analyze yourself and say, wait, am, am I really saying this from a place of, of my own clarity about my situation, about this situation, about my own morality? Is there something in my life that needs to be corrected first before I go and start trying to help people with the speck in their eye? And then finally, analyze our neighbor. When, when we go about, especially, you know, social media, and just we just throw criticism around and rebuke around. If it really is holy, if it really is a pearl, if this calling people to repentance and sharing with people how their lives can and should change, then it's something that's too precious something that's too valuable, something that's too holy to throw around haphazardly because then it gets trampled all over and then sometimes if we're not careful, we get trampled all over. Jesus invites us to offer correction, to offer help with the speck that's in someone's eye, to offer something holy, to offer a pearl very cautiously, very carefully. So we have to analyze before we criticize. And again, it's really easy for us to think about someone else. Oh, I want somebody else to hear this lesson because they're too critical. What about ourselves? We have to stop, don't we? I have to stop. You have to stop and ask ourselves, where am I in all of this? I mean, yes, I want to get to the point where I can help people with the speck that's in their eye, don't you? You want to get to the point where you can help people with the speck 
that's in their eye. You want to get to the point where you can offer people something holy, a holy bit of wisdom, a pearl of wisdom. You want to get to that point. But before you get to that point, you have to get really good at analyzing before you criticize. Analyze before you criticize. Stop and ask yourself, is my judgment correct? Am I correct? Are they in a place where they can receive this and understand what it is that's being offered to them, what's being given to them? We've all been given judgment. We've all been given correction. We've all been invited to repent and change. That's what Jesus has offered to all of us. That's what the gospel is. It is something holy. It is a pearl. It, It calls us to make a change in our lives. That's what we responded to. If you've been baptized into Jesus, you responded because you were given something holy. You were given a pearl. You were told if you keep going in the direction you're going, you're going to suffer the consequences. But Jesus wants to forgive you and reshape you and and help you to have a brand new life. But part of that brand new life that we are receiving is that we are becoming less critical, that we are becoming less harsh, that we are becoming less judgmental, that we're not the kind of people that go around wagging our finger at everyone else because we realize that sometimes we still have a log in our own eye. So yes, we've been called to repentance and yes, the world is being called to repentance, but sometimes the repentance that still needs to happen needs to happen right here. It needs to happen right in your own heart, in your own life. And one of those ways that sometimes it needs to happen is that we need to become less judgmental and get the log out of our own eye. So let's spin today, maybe as individuals, maybe within a group of friends, maybe within your family. Let's spend some time doing some self-evaluation, analyzing yourself, analyzing your judgments, analyzing how and when and by what standard you offer criticism to others, and maybe how some of those things need to see some change. Church, we've all made mistakes in this area and in every area, and that's why this community is so important, because we love each other, and we're helping each other, and we're helping each other to, to do some introspection and to look at our own lives, but then we're being gracious with each other and forgiving each other, and then once we've seen where we are, to take the next step by faith. And church, if we can help you in any way, shape, or form, we are here with you and we are here for you. We're going to sing one more song and be closed with a prayer. Thank you for being with us this morning.